0: When dark means light, when hot means cold, when good means bad, and vice versa, are they interconnected? Do they make sense separate or together? That's next on this episode of the Gratitude Journal Podcast. This is the Gratitude Journal Podcast. The dogs are barking, baby. The dogs are barking. It's the dog days of summer here in Northeast Ohio. Not only are the dogs barking and interrupting my recording broadcast because my neighbor just got a new German Shepherd. Man, he's a handsome creature. But man, he's got a big mouth. Not only are the dogs barking, but our little dog Gizzy's barking too because he's old and he doesn't like the heat. It's hazy, hot, and humid here in Northeast Ohio today. Although, no storms yet. Welcome back to yet another episode of this, the Gratitude Journal podcast. The podcast that is quickly approaching 10,000 downloads. Not sure whether that's a good thing, whether that's a bad thing. I don't really know about all these podcast metrics, but I guess 10,000 of anything is good, like 10,000 things, which I'll get to in here in just a little bit. Matthew is my name at the helm of the podcast that tries to enable me, for starters, to find things to be grateful for in my everyday life and hopefully to share a few of those things intermittently with you so that you can find ways to be grateful for the things in your life and really. When it comes right down to it, this is the thing I think that we all should be shooting for, yours truly included. And I am very good at forgetting to do that. And sometimes I'm reminded in very subtle ways that the striving for things and the striving in general is sometimes never really rewarded until we are able to. Look at the things that we already have. Seems to me that that was kind of a line in a Cheryl Crow song. I'll have to dig through my discography of stuff to see whether that's indeed true. But that is the purpose for this podcast, and hopefully you are downloading it for such a purpose. I mean, you're probably not downloading and listening because I'm the most entertaining character on the planet. Although you know, sometimes I like to think so. But uh, really, it's the overall uh, message, hopefully, that will uh, maybe push you in your life towards finding better ways and more abundant ways to be grateful for the things around us. I was grateful for our trip to West Virginia last week with my siblings, everybody but my youngest brother who couldn't make it. Uh, It was good. You know, it's a whirlwind activity visiting the small town that my parents grew up in which for many West Virginia coal towns uh, has really uh, jumped above the rest of them because of its proximity to places like Washington, D.C., not too terribly far from Pittsburgh. And it's it's sort of a place where people can get away and people who love the mountains, people who enjoy skiing, certainly people who enjoy outdoor sports like kayaking and mountain biking. It's a huge epicenter for outdoor activities, and as such, there's been a good amount of investment in my parents' small town, and I tell them about it, and they just kind of can't believe it, so I always take pictures and try to show those pictures to them to say, yeah, you remember, this is the place where you guys used to get coney dogs. Well, now, you know, it's an art gallery and that kind of thing, and they don't totally comprehend everything about it, but it is doing quite well for itself. For our family and my siblings, basically, yeah, we kind of traipse around with the rest of the D.C. folks, but we prefer really to go back to our rented cabin or our rented house or condo that we all share and just sit around and have some adult beverages and sit around the campfire and enjoy the crisp mountain air that can only be found in the state of the Mountain Mama, the Mountain State, West Virginia. I believe it was in year one or year two of my stay at the Pontifical College Josephinum in Columbus, Ohio, when I was given a copy of the I Ching, and I never had any familiarity really with the I Ching. I knew that reading this work from Lao Tzu that I was encountering something that I never really approached before. Just the cover of the book sort of bearish trees with a enveloping fog was something that was very comforting to me. It was very almost supernatural looking. It was quite mystical. And it tapped into this reservoir that I always knew I had in some way, shape, or form, having grown up as a Roman Catholic, that I investigated those areas of my faith that brought me to that point point. But really, just looking at the cover of the I Ching was enough to know that I really hadn't investigated that about myself as fully as I could, and I was looking forward to possibly going deeper into this. And it was my first encounter with yin-yang and the concept of duality and how this affected the, quote, The 10,000 things, the rise and the fall of the 10,000 things, and the fact that nature was doing its thing whether I was there or not. I mean, when I take my walk with Izzy, and this is hopefully during days that are not the dog days of summer, when Izzy is feeling better, and now our walks really consist of walking around the yard, because at almost 15, he's not in the mood to walk. There are these leaves in August that are already colored and some have already dropped to the ground. I I know that this happens every year. And when it happens, I know that we are approaching the end of summer. And I think to myself, you know, in the scope of the 10,000 things, the rise and the fall of the 10,000 things, this has occurred long before my appearance on this planet. And it will appear long after my appearance on this planet. And that concept is always kind of amazed me that when I stare at these mountains in West Virginia, well, these mountains have just been here doing their thing. And the fact that I'm appreciating them is really neither here nor there. Uh, they're going to lavish their love on my eyeballs when I'm here, and they're going to lavish their love on eyeballs of people who will be here long after me. And that's just the way of the world. And so this, I Ching, this concept of of yin-yang, of a a sort of a duality of things, has both mesmerized me, confused me, and really uh, made me really sort of sit up and take notice to the fact that the world around me is not as it appears. The world around me is not exactly as I interpret it to be. That there are some illusions occurring that I think I have a handle on, and yet I really don't. And this concept of interconnectedness that when things can be bad, they can also be good. Or because something happens this way, it doesn't mean that I can prevent it from happening the other way that for every bad thing, there is a good thing, and that for every good thing, there can be a bad thing. And my attempts at keeping the good in the good realm, I can only exert so much influence in that, that the natural course of things are going to occur. And at some point in time, I am powerless to do anything about them. This concept, as I understand it, and I know I haven't completely explained it as fully as a philosopher king might, this concept has for years fascinated me. Along with publications like the I Ching and other books, several books throughout my life have made a lasting effect on me. I would say that Franny and Zoe from J.D. Salinger has. I would say Siddhartha from Herman Hesse has. Various and sundry books that have been on my shelf and that I would routinely from time to time pick up and read again. And the one book lately that I would say would fall into this category, and I'm no longer really a book collector I have to say. I, years ago, divested myself of this inclination towards having a library and carting boxes and boxes of books around with me, knowing full well that probably 85% of those books were books that I was probably never going to read again. But because maybe I had read them, it would be nice to show other people as they were sitting on their shelves, that I had read these books and knowing that that was really ego centered of me. And I would be better off having a handful of books that really meant something to me and maybe even hiding them away in a drawer. Why did I need to tell somebody that, hey, I've read all these books when in reality the books were much more personal to me than that? So I don't. Keep a lot of books. And I don't fault those who do have a lot of books. In fact, I'm a little bit jealous, but I temper that jealousy because that would make me return to this former sort of ego place where I was really just hanging on to books in order to impress somebody with my supposed knowledge, a knowledge that I really didn't have. But I go back to this book that seemed to really affect me and that book would be When Things Fall Apart. And I hope I'm pronouncing her name correctly and I think I've mentioned Pema Shodron on a former podcast. The Tibetan uh, Buddhist nun who writes so plainly at times and eloquently. And I recalled reading these sections when I first read When Things Fall Apart, but I grabbed a couple of sections of this book, and I wanted to share them in my quest to understand this duality, and I have a point to this podcast, and this is the quote. Things falling apart is a kind of testing and also a kind of healing we think that the point is to pass the test or to overcome the problem. But the truth is that things don't really get solved. They come together and they fall apart. Then they come together again and fall apart again. It's just like that. The healing comes from letting there be room for all this to happen. Room for grief, for relief, for misery, for joy. I can't tell you how difficult reading and rereading this passage has been for me. And I say that because I'm recording this on Monday, August the 9th, and on Friday, August the 13th, Friday the 13th, will be my wife and I. Donna, it will be our 22nd wedding anniversary. And that 22nd wedding anniversary doesn't include the 11 years that we lived in sin. So for 33 years, she's had to endure my weirdness, my wackiness, all of my, uh, what did uh, Robin Williams say in Good Will Hunting? My peccadillos and a bunch of other crap. And she's come out on the other end. (laughs) And I find that both amazing and uh, slightly amusing that she has opted to spend the last 33 years with me. And that's saying something. I bring our anniversary up because it's also the one-year anniversary of the death of our granddaughter, Mally. So in my quest to understand this kind of duality there, this day that on one hand should be this amazing time of celebration and joy, and on the other hand, This day should be a day of reflection and sorrow and mourning. And I'm sure for Mally's father and mother and sister, a day perhaps even of misery after a year of dealing with the tragic loss of her life to cancer. And so, I've been reading over this quote from Pema Chodron, and it's really, for me, never rung more truly. And that doesn't mean, I guess, that I understand all of the complexities about it. But it does make me try to dig a little deeper for finding the gratitude in this duality. This other quote also makes me or helps me perhaps confront this with a little more conviction. And I'm quoting, As human beings, not only do we seek resolution, but we also feel that we deserve resolution. However, not only do we not deserve resolution, we suffer from resolution. We don't deserve resolution. We deserve something better than that. We deserve our birthright, which is the middle way, an open state of mind that can relax with paradox and ambiguity, End quote. So let that sink in. In a weird way, I believe the anniversary of Malie's death is a celebration of life. And again, it takes me a while to come to that conclusion. Because I have witnessed bits and pieces of her family and her sister dealing with the aftermath of... The tragic ending of Mally's life. And I can't even begin to attempt to understand where they've been in their encounter with this life changing event. So, where do we find gratitude for that? And I would say that the gratitude that I'm attempting to eke out of this is this irony that her death would occur on the same day that we celebrate our union together. And really, that concept of love that intersperses All of these events is the thing to be most grateful for, that it forces you to live in the moment. It forces you to face the things that are falling apart, the things in your own relationship that are not quite right, the things that aren't quite settling or settled, and asks of you to confront them. And I think of the bravery and the courage of her lying in that bed in that attic room in Missouri during her last days, confronting this disease and preparing for the end of life and the courage that it took to prepare for the end of life. Knowing that these people were coming by, trying to figure out the best way to say goodbye. And really, I think what her death taught all of us is that we need to find an inner reserve of strength that we may not know that we have. And when things seem like they're falling apart, that there's always another side to it. On the other side of the continuum, that when we're feeling particularly good or that we feel like we've taken hold of something particularly well and we're going to celebrate it, that there's always the possibility that something may come along to upend that does it mean that we should not celebrate the good things fully? Not at all. It also means that we should celebrate our grief and our misery fully and allow it to be absorbed by us, allow it to dissolve inside us. Because to me, That, I think, is what Pema Shodron was aspiring to help us to understand in her writing. That it's not the resolution of this that we deserve. It's this openness to the fact that these seemingly divergent things exist and that we have to be open to them. We're forced to be open to them. We really have no choice those mountains that are staring at us in West Virginia. We can choose on that minute to be completely absorbed by them, or we can turn our backs on them. Either way, they're still going to be there. And in the same way, this love that my wife and I share with each other, even more deeply because of this compounded situation that we find ourselves in, we need to learn from Mally's strength. We need to, especially me, I need to learn from Mally's strength as she lay on that bed in those final days, preparing for the end of her life with such bravery, a bravery I can't even begin to summon inside me. And so in that sense, I think we need to celebrate this yin-yang. We need to celebrate this duality that we have. And for every instance, either on one side of the continuum or the other, to live all of it in abundant fullness. That's the challenge because that is tough. And what Mally experienced those final days was not easy by any stretch. We can't even conceive of it. But it's our duty. When we're faced with similar situations on the yin or the yang side, to experience them to their fullness, because that allows us to stay in this middle way, a state of openness, because we can do nothing else but that. And to do something else but that, is simply to suffer. And my friends, I'm sure you agree with me that our goal in this life is to eliminate as much suffering as possible. And that, I think, is the lesson that Mally teaches Donna and I on our anniversary date. This date that we now share This date now that is branded on us together, this happiness and sadness, it's the epitome of things falling apart and things coming back together. And for that, I'm grateful. So this Friday, the 13th, my wife's favorite day, by the way, Friday, the 13th, another irony, (laughs) think a positive thought, something good for those who are experiencing great things and think a positive thought for those who are remembering events that may not be so good. Continue on this journey to find gratitude for both. And that's the challenge. On a week, no doubt, that uh, here, at least in Northeast Ohio, is filled with the kind of days you would expect in the dog days of August. And Izzy and I will continue to walk around the yard because walking on the sidewalk for long stretches of time is not in his DNA anymore. We feel that Izzy is kind of moving into the latter stages of his life and we're going to soak up every second that we can have with that little boy that handsome little boy who brings so much joy to our lives and in the meantime here's hoping that you are surviving amongst the delta variant and that you are being smart and getting your vaccine and if you already have a vaccine you're helping others to be Intellectually gifted in their decision to have that needle jammed into their arms so that we can all return to the things that we enjoy doing so much. And here's hoping that uh, you find the gratitude in that as well. So thank you for downloading and checking in on another episode of the Gratitude Journal Podcast.